This is the best stuff. Straight from the Merrickville Catch-Up Podcast. Such a good show. I'd listen to that. Download it from the Triple M app. Merrickville here on Triple M. And John Safran is part of Sydney's inaugural Yak Festival at the Giant Dwarf on November 19. And John will be in conversation or will be in conversation with John Safran uh, depending on how you look at it. And it also depends on what you mean by extremism, which is the book he's recently released. Depends on what you mean by extremists. And he joins me in the studio now. John, good to have you here, mate. G'day. Thank you very much for having me on. First of all, what does In Conversation with John Safran actually entail? <laughs> does that mean you're too lazy to write a stand-up show? What? The, no, not at all. It's like there's just there's a good energy with uh, spont- spontaneity and... Yeah, someone will be interviewing me. In fact, one of my the characters from my book, who we haven't announced yet, will be uh, kind of chatting to me on stage. Okay. okay, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It won't be, it won't be lazy. No, and it's... I'll get desperate and I'll start thinking, oh, I've really got to like churn out real good anecdotes and real like personal stuff to make it interesting. Because yeah, I, I don't want cynics like you to be like, what the hell did Safran just like rock up and? Well, I'll be there at the back heckling. That's okay. that's my form, just yelling shit out. I'm not good at he- I'm not good at heck. I'm not good with hecklers at all because I'm not a stand up comedian. Even if you're at a, I'm at a posh writers festival and someone asks a curveball question, I'm like Boop. I like freeze up and don't know what to do. How is it that you get scared of things like that, but you're not afraid of uh, extreme terrorists? Uh, have you have you thought about that? The fact that you you perif- you petrified I, 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 of being heckled but not yeah. shot. Yeah, I know. It's just because I've spent more time at clan rallies than I have at writers festivals. Mm, mm, so mm. I'm, I, I, I kind of, I'm just, I'm used to it. Mate, you've and always... also, I can't, I can't see what their faces look like under those hoods. So that's another <laughs> thing. <laughs> Do you just imagine that they're all really good looking ladies underneath that hood? And just go, sure. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like very, a redneck man. Ca- very 50s, calm but... looking. Yeah, yeah very. Yeah. I imagine them all calm looking and. They're covering their faces because, yeah, they, they know their faces are so soothing, they just relax everyone. Well, mate, you know what? You are known as being antagonistic, and I don't think you do it for just for the intent of being a smartass. I think you do it, you obviously <laughs> do it because you want a, a question answered. But some of the things you've done in uh, recent years, or over, over your entire career, is deliberately putting yourself in a situation of vulnerability, armed yes. only with knowledge, which I would never do. I don't even know how to do that. I couldn't arm myself for that. But then you... Go to a position where you are speaking to clan members of the Ku Klux Klan about being a racist, mm. which is difficult, yeah. I'm sure. To nah, because I, I just generally speaking, if someone sees you face to face, it's quite a big ask to kind of punch you in the face, if you know what I mean. I imagine you could be rude to a caller on the line, but if you're there at the su- at the supermarket and they're in front of your face, it's not like you'd pick something off the. Uh, off the shelf and throw it at them. No, you got to make sense. Wrong. No, that, was that a that, shit was... analogy. <laughs> well, I'm, you know what? I'm great on air. As soon as you see him in the supermarket, I'm just like, F- off. You get stuff. Unfortunately, that's my children. So they just go, oh, Dad, I just wanted a Milky Way. F- off. So that's, yeah, no, yeah, no. Generally, they're more like sinister in a, like you'd have to be unlucky for them to punch you in the face, I think. I don't well, know. Well, who's, just... Who have you most been intimidated by when you've been speaking to people or interviewing people? Usually when you meet, people for the dangerous people for the first time mm. before you can figure them out and, and before you can make an intelligent guess that they're not going to throttle you. That's when it gets scary. So when I was hanging out at these like fascist rallies, I was quite comfortable with the fascists that I'd like met two times before, but then there'd be like a new fascist group that mm. I wasn't familiar with. And then that would freak me out. Also on the internet, everything's far scarier than on the streets. Mm. So sometimes I'd be typing my name into like the search 
of these uh, fascist websites and they'd be saying something nasty about me, like, yeah, I saw that little Jew, John Safran, at mm. the rally. I wanted to punch him back to Israel or something like that. Mm. I'm mm. Like, and I'm really scared because it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm in bed and I don't know what the person who wrote that looks like. Mm. But then when you're actually out there in the streets and you're face to face, it just seems less scary. Well, because they've diffused themselves or you diffuse them with your charm. I don't know. It's just, you have more facts at hand. It's like, it always throws you off if someone anonymous is like yeah. laying the boots to you online. And, and so often when you find out who they are or a bit about where they're coming from, like their backstory, you go, oh, now I get it. And, but it, it is quite um, disorienting when you just don't know why the hell someone's attacking you. Did you feel um, as a Jew that you hadn't experienced enough persecution? So that you, you, <laughs> you actively go seeking it? Yeah, I thought I'd cosplay persecution. <laughs> no, it wasn't my fault. I was happy to just go. We, for, for this book, I was happy to just go there and be a journalist, but everyone else kept on bringing it up. Because I guess if you are, uh, you know, a neo-Nazi or something, and like yeah. you kind of are going to bring it up. Yeah. That, oh yeah. Yes. So, yeah. They're not going to overlook that, John Safran. No. No. no they're going to. They're going to get stuck in that. Mate, if you have these interactions with known extremists and mm. and racists and and basically, you know, the, these fringe elements, does that come back to you to haunt you? Like, if you're trying to go through American customs or something like that, and you've got associations with these people, is there a flag on your name? I'm not sure. I imagine Australian. I, I sort of know that Australian Secret Service people are aware of me because uh, they've spoken to me. <laughs> not, really? not, not, not in a bad way, just, you know, can we catch up and have a little chat? You know, it's just community outreach kind of way. So they're aware of me, but I, I think I'm okay. At least in Australia, I'm fine because Im imagine if like ASIO said, uh, announced, oh, we've caught John Safran because we caught him. Uh, you know, talking to known suspect people, mm. everyone just would be going, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. And, and he broadcasted on television, you know, so it's, it's not like it would be mm. secret. Yeah. And it's a really a point where you've just gone to th thought to yourself, I've gone too far here where you're either interviewing somebody or you put yourself in a circumstance, you know, amongst extremists and you've just gone, Oh, this was the step too far. And this is going to tip over into something very unpleasant. Usually it's a few months later after I've done stuff because I get really caught up when I'm, I'm doing these things because I'm, I feel like I have to really come back with the goods, either a, a book publisher or a TV station. They've said they've trusted me and it's my job. And so, so I, I really get caught up in it and think that's my number one priority to come back with the goods. And then a couple of months later, I think, what the hell was I thinking? Like when I streaked through Jerusalem. But this was whatever, a couple of decades ago. Yeah. And for, to try to influence the outcome of a footy match. So that was one of the things I did. Yep. And then after. I remember that thinking, what a dickhead. He's going to get <laughs> shot in the balls out there. But I didn't Mad. think I was going to get shot in the balls. It, it was like Ugh. years later when I thought, oh, that's right. Like things are really sensitive in the Middle East. And maybe if someone was <laughs> running around naked, they'd think somehow he's up to no good and they could just shoot him. And it. Lots of people have guns there. And if you're naked, technically that's new daism. So <laughs> new daism. Oh, I did there. <laughs> that's yeah. a good joke. Yeah. Thank you. Feel free to use that. Um, so why do you do this, John? I mean, a lot of people, you know, have a reason that their purpose for whatever they do, particularly mm. if it's an artistic expression yeah. or a journalistic I, one. Why do you do what you do? It's not always I'm... antagonizing. It's, it's, it's conceivably, it's a thirst for an answer to a question. 
Yeah, well, I think I'm, uh, you, you know, I'm interested in things. And I, I've worked out this way that rather than just searching websites or b- borrowing a book or buying a magazine and reading about it, I get to have a more intense version of that by uh, going out there and, and under the, and, and having, and being able to justify it by saying, no, this is for something. This is for a book. This is for a TV thing. Mm. And that, it, it really frees you up. So, it, so it's, it's not cynical. It's not like, oh, I wouldn't be, I, I'm, I'd be interested in all these things, even if I was, you know, working as a plumber. This mm. is, I'd be reading books about all this stuff at night, but instead I get to go out there and do some three-dimensional <laughs> Google searching mm. in, the, in the real world. And it's really cool that how you can just, you've suddenly got an excuse to ask, go places and ask things, which you can't if you're not writing a book or doing a TV thing. Because yeah. I, I, I've just, I just knock on people's doors. Like if there's, I've written articles about like, you know, murders or whatever, and you just find out where the murderer lived. And then suddenly you go to his street where he was years ago, where he used to live. And you just get to knock on doors. And as soon as you say, Are you talking about writing, Ray Martin again? <laughs> no. It... As soon as you say you're writing, you're, you're suddenly just allowed to talk to a stranger. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's quite a, a joyful experience. I mean, not the murder. That's obviously bad. No, no, that's terrible. You know, yes. Do you have regrets, John, about, you know, some of the things that you've done or people that you pushed or, you know, because everyone yeah. does, you look back and just go, oh, you know what, 20 years ago, that sounded like a good idea. Uh, usually no, because by, by the time, by, by the time it's sort of come out as a TV thing or a book thing, people see the context and they get to see that I wasn't being totally mean spirited or I wasn't being totally pompous and judgmental. I was, it was something other than that. So generally I don't, I don't regret things. Mm. I, I, I do, I do feel, I, you do feel a bit, sometimes you feel a little bit of guilt, but it's just more, it's more a human thing. So it's not, uh, you know, like just for wasting someone's time or you, you have people who talk to you and then they get regret later on. Uh, like they feel vulnerable, which I totally relate to. That's how I'm feeling right now. I know because if if someone writes an article on me, no matter even if it's a positive article, in the I'll always be. Like, oh, why did they say that about he he wiped his nose with his shirt? Why'd they put that in the article? Now and I'm, I I stew over it for months, thinking about why did that journo write that in the article? So I totally relate to people having remorse after talking to me. But but in some cases, like in the case of this book about radical people, they really put themselves out there to be. Uh, discussed so that, that it, it, you know they, they can't complain later that they you, you can't go out there as someone on the far right talking about how you want to create a white ethno state and deport muslims and then and then complain that some smart ass uh comedian kind of came and made a few jokes and i think whilst we're speaking of peter dutton um <laughs> do you think do you think that what's the what's the most um disturbing i'm not saying you personally being afraid of them for your own safety but what's the most kind of disturbing um minority or faction in australia at the moment you just go geez that that's worrying uh, i think there's real there's obvious ones so obviously people on the the extreme that uh whether that's radical religious extremists whether it's white nationalists they, they can be dangerous and, and not just because of their f- philosophies but because the kind of person that's motivated enough to get there they might have uh mental health issues <laughs> and so that, that that because i don't just sit behind my computer or 
and read about these things, but I go out there in the streets and meet all these people. Mm. Like that, things like that really strike you in, in a way that maybe they don't, you know, by the time things are in newspapers, it's all just about politics and views and all this stuff. But we, we, I would say the people I felt uh, that I met that I felt, oh my God, they could, they could go on a shooting rampage. Most of the reason I, I think that is not because of their particular political or religious philosophy, but because... You know, one in a thousand people mm. have uh, a, a kooky in the yeah, yeah. They're in, insane in yep. the membrane. Yep, yep, yep. So they might have a disposition or a propensity to go and do it on their own, and they just yep. happen to be aligned to a a network of other similar mind or or another group of people. Yeah, it's probably just a fusion of of all sorts of things, and it can, yeah it can be quite explosive. Um, was there anywhere in the world where you've where you've travelled um, mm. for your investigative journalism or for, for anywhere else where you've thought, I would rather live here on principle other than Australia. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Like they've got yeah, a, bit but, of mer- a bit of moral uh, code in that country or. Well, probably isn't New Zealand just a slightly better version of Australia. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? I was in Christchurch only a month ago or a couple of months ago. And it's amazing because Christchurch was hit with this uh, well, by an earthquake what yep. was it five years ago or whatever? Uh, a bit more than that, yeah. And so it's got the, it's got a it's slowly rebuilding and yep. it's really fascinating because you'll you'll be walking somewhere and go oh this look at this beautiful green meadow here that's in the middle of the central business district isn't this wonderful and then you find out oh the reason it's there is because there used to be a skyscraper there before the yeah. earthquake yeah. and so yeah it's really disorienting but but there's a lot of there's lots of hope there because it's it's rebuilding so there's lots of positivity it's not like going to a war zone where it's going to be awful for the next 20 years or whatever yeah i always think of new zealand and i i do love it as a place my wife's a kiwi and i often think that new zealand is what we would be if we didn't try to be america Ah, yes. No, that's a good point. <laughs> if we, we try to just, be Middle Earth just or whatever. trying so hard to be a, the America of the, of the Micronesia, you know, ah, like yes. in, in our own little, in our own little map of the Pacific, we're just trying so hard to be America. And sometimes I think, you know, maybe the Kiwis and other, and other nationalities around our, uh, around our area just go, can you stop trying to be America? Well, cause I do a lot of research with these far right groups. They, I, I hope New Zealand knows that lots of white nationalists, uh, Hey, we should, uh, pick up stakes from where we're living and move to New Zealand. That's considered really? one of the, yes. Oh, wow. They, they, they like it's a safe beauty. haven for the lunatics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause they, wow. saying, have they, have they ever seen a Maori with a mocha <laughs> on their face? Because I'll no. tell you right now, they're terrifying. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they're basing it more on Lord of the Rings or something. They, <laughs> yeah, exactly. they seem to really like it. They just go, let's go there and kick the <laughs> shit out of some hobbits. Oh, um, <laughs> think about that. The Maoris, a bit bigger than a hobbit. John Safran, you uh, uh, got a show as part of the Yak Festival at Giant Dwarf. It's on November 19. Uh, you can hear more stories about your times as a journalist, about traveling, meeting extremists and everything else in your life. Uh, at Giant Dwarf, you can get your tickets from giantdwarf.com.au. Mate, it's always great to catch up and have a chat. Thank you very much. The best stuff from the Merrickville Catch-Up Podcast. Get it from the Triple M app. 104.9 Triple M.